Stephen A. Smith today asked the question, what is Eric Reed protesting? Is he protesting social inequality or is he protesting the fact that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job? Allow me to respond. He can do both. What I don't understand is how you don't know that, Stephen A. He can do both. He's still part of the cause. He's still protesting social inequality. But he's also not letting anybody forget the fact that never mind that Colin doesn't have a job. He hasn't been afforded an opportunity to win a job. How do you miss that? I think everybody that puts out some kind of content, be it YouTube or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Anchor, The Cypher, when you're putting out content and you're trying to relate to people, trying to reach out and connect, you're also stating the case that you have a grasp of the topics, of the subjects, and your information that you put forth, your analysis, even your speculation or your guesses can somewhat be trusted, that the people who listen to you and the people that you hope will listen to you hear you and believe that you know what you're talking about, hear you and go, I don't agree with everything he says, but I respect his opinion. He knows what he's talking about. He knows basketball. He has a great grasp of sports. Or I love his thoughts. I love how he keeps it 100. You're stating the case that what you have to say is valuable and that your opinions, your thoughts can be trusted. And I'm saying all this because I do believe that, but I also believe you can't play both sides of the fence. Let me let me rewind that. Actually, you can play both sides. What I'm saying is you shouldn't. So take someone like Stephen A. Smith, who's really good. He's mastered that. One minute when we're talking about social issues, he's talking like the brother man. And then the next minute, he's talking like he works for the man. That's just his thing. That's just something that he's mastered. When you hear all the speculation on Colin Kaepernick, and that's what most of it is. It's not like Colin Kaepernick is speaking. So what you have is people speaking on his behalf or people speculating on how he's thinking. When you take someone like Stephen A. Smith, who just this morning said, well, Colin Kaepernick has had all kind of opportunities. The Ravens were interested in him. The Dolphins were interested in him. The Seahawks, the Broncos. So he's had teams that had interest in him. A team having interest in you is not the same as a team bringing you in for a workout or a tryout and actually giving you an opportunity to win a job. That's not the same thing. And in the case of the Ravens, they had interest and then his girlfriend made a statement that was offensive to the team president and Ray Lewis, one of their greatest players. Hence, no Ravens. And with the Dolphins, sure, no question wearing the Fidel Castro shirt was a terrible mistake, but a mistake it was. But they didn't give him an opportunity. And then with Seattle, Pete Carroll tells you he's a starting quarterback. 
Pete Carroll, in his own words, said, he's a starter in this league. We have a starter, but he's a starter in this league. I can't imagine somebody won't give him a chance to play. So Pete Carroll is telling you that Colin Kaepernick is too good to be a backup. We don't need him, which makes no sense at all. But that's Pete Carroll. He's kind of talking out both sides when he made that statement. With the Denver Broncos, Kaepernick wasn't a free agent. He was still signed to the Niners. And the problem there was John Elway and the Broncos wanted Kaepernick to take a pay cut. At first, they tried to get the Niners to pay the $4.9 million. And the Niners refused. Then they tried to get Kaepernick to agree to take that pay cut from his own salary. And he said no. And why should he take that pay cut? So let's not act like he, he didn't want to play or he didn't want to compete. John Elway wanted to trade for him, wanted him to be their starter, but he also wanted him to take a pay cut. So Cap, who had $11 million guaranteed, passed on that because what John Elway was offering was $7 million guaranteed. So when you say he's had opportunities, no. There were teams that were interested, but they didn't really give him an opportunity. And John Elway is kind of good at double talk himself. On one hand, when they were doing the depositions, he said Kaepernick had an opportunity. He passed. Well, Brock Osweiler was a former Broncos quarterback who left the Broncos to go to the Texans in free agency. And what happened? Things did not work out. But John Elway brought back Brock Osweiler to the Broncos. So he was able to get a second opportunity. But because Kaepernick refused to take a pay cut, that's it for him. He was written off. I think Stephen A. Smith is clearly a very educated brother. But I don't think he's nearly as educated on things as he thinks he is. I think his favorite topic or his favorite subject is just listening to himself talk. If you're like me and you just love the game of basketball, then the big three is perfect for you. The big three kind of gives you that it feeds that basketball Jones you have when the NBA is during their offseason. When I saw that Joe Johnson was going to be addition to the big three, I told my friends, I told anybody that was listening that Joe Johnson in the big three would be Jordan like that. He would be that dominant. There'd be no doubt in anybody's mind that Joe would be the best player in that league. Not surprising, his team, the triplets, are the number one seed in the playoffs, followed by Killer Threes, Power, and the Three-Headed Monster. I'm looking forward to the Big Three's playoffs. If you've watched the Big Three, or if you haven't and you're a fan of the game, I'm telling you to check out the Big Three. It is half-court basketball, but there's a level of physicality, competition. There's just something... When you watch this, the way the game is played, the, the emotion, the way the players really go at each other, it reminds you of another era. Not that there's anything wrong with today's NBA, but there is a level of aggression and physicality that sometimes seems to be missing from the current league. So again, if you like basketball or if you love basketball, check out the big three. It's worth it. 
knowing the physicality that it takes to play the center position, even if you're able to step outside, it can take a lot of wear and tear on your body. And we know Anthony Davis, while he has the talent and the ability to excel at playing the five, he'd much rather play the four. And it's probably better for him and the Lakers not to put that type of physicality or wear and tear on his body over the course of a long 82-game season. So it stands the reason it's smart that the Lakers would look to a proven veteran like a Joakim Noah or maybe even Dwight Howard. Given the choice, I think the smart move would be Dwight Howard if he's healthy. I know Dwight Howard's not what he was. He's past his prime. But when last seen, when he last played a full season, he was beyond serviceable. 16 points, 12 rebounds, and almost two blocks per game. I don't think the Lakers are expecting those types of numbers. But if you told me, let's just say he could give them, could he give them 11 and 11 and a couple of blocks? No question. But I think big picture, even with adding Howard or Noah, whoever the the Lakers decide to go with, you still have to make up for those points, for those buckets that you assumed you were going to get from DeMarcus Cousins. And I haven't changed my mind on Melo. Trust me. Given the choice, if I were Rob Palenka, looking at the Lakers' need for offense, especially when you have to rest LeBron, you have to rest AD, you also have to factor in, let's be real, load management will be in effect for both of those stars, not to mention some of the other veterans on the Lakers' roster who have trouble staying healthy. Rajon Rondo has missed some time the last couple of seasons. Avery Bradley has a history of injuries. Talented as he is, as good a defender as Avery Bradley is on the ball, his biggest problem in his career is staying healthy. You have to factor all these things in when putting together your team. I know Jared Dudley is a three-point specialist, but I also know he can't beat anybody off the dribble. I also know he can't guard anybody. So big picture, when you're putting together this roster, and you're thinking about titles, and you're thinking about winning a championship, you have to have the firepower needed when your starters go to the bench, even if it's just for a short two- to three-minute rest. I'm a fan of Jay-Z and how he came from nothing and has become a billionaire mogul, a power broker, somebody that impacts the culture, that actually has impact worldwide. And his deal with the NFL, that's not the reason Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. But I will say this. After his deal with the NFL, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. And what the NFL has done by partnering with Jay, I think they've given themselves some kind of a shield or cloak against criticism. Business-wise, I see why it benefits him. And here's the thing. I'm open-minded. I'm going to judge him on his deeds, not just his words. So what he's able to do in terms of his impact in the community, in the culture, when it comes to social issues and economic issues, that's what I'm going to judge him on. But I will say this. 
Jay has enough clout. He has enough power to where I'm not saying that he he could ask for Kaepernick's job, and he shouldn't. The NFL doesn't owe Kaepernick a job, but I do believe he's owed an opportunity. And if he can't play, then prove it. Give him a workout. I have friends that plan on watching the NFL this season, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's them, and I respect their decisions. I'm a lifelong Niners fan, and I honestly don't have any plans to watch the NFL this season. I I just don't feel right. And when I look at some of the quarterbacks that are in the league, never mind starters, just backups, it's just something about it that doesn't sit well with me. A lot of people are criticizing JC. And, and look, on the outside, looking in, I understand that. I don't think anyone's above criticism. I've said that before, including Jay. Colin Kaepernick started this. He's still doing things within the community. He's still reaching out and helping people. He's still keeping these issues alive even though he's no longer part of the NFL. Eric Reed is the only player that's still speaking out on his behalf. The players union, where are they? Where is the NFL PA when it comes to this? And what happened to all the players? I know you brokered a deal, but in brokering that deal, you no longer mention his name as if he doesn't exist. Except for Eric Reed. Eric Reed is the one player that consistently brings up the obvious. All these things are happening, and Colin still hasn't gotten an opportunity. Before I get into bracket three of the NBA one-on-one fantasy tournament, um, I want to share some of the thoughts from a few members from the YouTube fam on their thoughts on the Jay-Z situation. Marley said, Fans treat celebrities like gods and don't want to even judge them or hold them accountable. Jay doesn't get the benefit of the doubt with me. Marley, what I'll say is this. Nobody is above criticism. And I truly do believe that. But I'm also going to say, because we don't know what he's going to do with this initiative, I'm going to wait and see before I go ahead and label him um, a sellout or somebody who's just looking out for self. Kenny says, if Jay isn't a sellout, then tell me what changes has Jay made? Kenny, the initiative, this agreement, this partnership, it just happened. A fair criticism would be that during the press conference, there were no specifics. But to say that Jay's a sellout just off of this press conference, I'm not going there. And because we don't know what he's going to be able to enact with this social justice initiative we can't judge him off of one press conference at least i'm not going to ross says jay is just lining his pockets point blank period he's a sellout i'm going to say this again i'm i agree to disagree on that one i'm not going to call jay-z a sellout i didn't like the press conference i wasn't feeling the photo ops and i definitely didn't like the line when he said We're moving past kneeling because we're not past kneeling. It's not over. The person who started this, Colin Kaepernick, 
is on the outside looking in. And that's a problem for me. Ricky Flack says, Hove is a sellout, point blank, period. I think I'm going to need to know more. Ultimately, I'm going to need to know what he does with this. Like I said before, what if he's able to enact real change, impact communities, and make lives better? If he does that, is he still a sellout? So this is bracket three one-on-one fantasy matchups. Drexler versus Gervin. Mitch Richmond versus Blackman. Dumars versus Lou Will. Reggie Miller versus Sidney Moncrief. Bernard King versus Doc. Pistol Pete versus Walter Davis, the Greyhound. Earl Monroe versus David Thompson. Dominique Wilkins versus Larry Bird. I'm going to give you bracket four on Thursday, and then I'm going to give you the final four on Friday. This is for all my Phoenix Suns fans, all the diehards, especially my guy, Deion Simeon. This is my top 10 Phoenix Suns of all time. Honorable mention, Alvin Adams. Just couldn't put him in my top 10, but he was close. At number 10, Jeff Hornacek. Number 9, Tom Chambers. Number 8, Jason Kidd. Number 7, Paul Westfall. Number 6, Walter Davis, the Greyhound. Number 5, Amari Stoudemire. Number 4, Sean Marion. Number 3, KJ, Kevin Johnson. Number 2, Charles Barkley, the Chuckster. And number 1, two-time league MVP, the guy who shot 51% from from the field, 43% from three, and 91% his first eight seasons with the Suns, Steve Nash. Dion, give me your list. Let me know if you agree or disagree with mine. It's all in love, fam. It's the cipher. You'll get those results about the fantasy one-on-one on Friday next time. Thank you.